What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Today, I have a very special guest zooming in all the way from New Jersey. Please meet Claire Chandler. She is the president and founder of Talent Boost. She specializes in leadership onboarding and preparedness. Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So as you said, I am Claire Chandler. I am a corporate survivor. So spent close to 20 years in uh, corporate America in roles ranging from communications, customer relations, uh, and then spent several years in human resources. Um, and 10 years ago, I walked away from corporate. There's a story there, uh, but we walked away here. from corporate. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, and, and went into the wonderful, fabulous, uh, exciting roller coaster world of entrepreneurship and uh, started my company officially two years later in, in 2013, Talent Boost. And uh, it's been a heck of a ride. So yeah, I've, I'm currently focused on helping new leaders become performance accelerators. Uh, and I largely work with um, large organizations, uh, their heads of talent to kind of build up that, that leadership pipeline. I love that. I actually read in your bio that you extract fundamental DNA that makes businesses unique. I love that statement. But let's, before we jump into all this fun, juicy stuff, why don't you tell us like what prompted you or motivated you to break out of the, the box, the societal standards, that corporate box and do, oh. become an entrepreneur because that's a scary move. It, it, you know what? It is scary. I had a lot of people uh, questioning my sanity, um, you know, wondering what the heck I was thinking, right? So this was 10 years ago. This was 2011. Um, I, at that point, was in a, uh, a VP of human resources role um, and I was being groomed to take over um, for the for the head of uh human resources for the company that I was working for. It was a pretty large company. Wow. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was moved into more of a line uh, leadership role in HR. Um, and what I mean by that is because I didn't grow up in human resources, I had more of a broad-based business experience, but not a very deep HR experience. So if I was truly going to take over, um, you know, to, to run HR someday, I needed more of that soup to nuts, full cycle, sure. um, you know, from hiring to firing, uh, life cycle of an employee. So I spent about a year in that in that role. And along the way, um, I was traveling like crazy back when you could travel unlimited, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, what what a time, but literally, I mean, literally, I was on the road all the time because we, we were a uh, an international company. Um, I had a team that was uh, located all across the US. Uh, I also had a, a teammate in Canada. So I was on the road constantly. And in the early spring of that year, um, I was on the road and all of a sudden I felt a little bit off and the old Claire would have ignored that. And I think a lot of us women, you know, just sort of ignore those warning signs and say, we don't have time to pay attention to those alarm bells. And something told me not to ignore it. And long story short, I went to a doctor who went, you know, sent me to a specialist who sent me for tests and I was diagnosed with cancer. And so I literally went from traveling all the time, going 150 miles an hour to pump the brakes, take yeah. a month off, have surgery, have treatment, recover. Um, and it was, it was in that silence post-surgery. I mean, I literally worked up until the day before, uh, two days before my, my surgery. 
um, one, because the job required it. There was a lot to, to do. And I had a fabulous team. So I delegated everything while I was, while I was gone, but there was a lot, uh, there's a lot of balls in the air. Right. But two, it was because I wanted to avoid sitting at home in the silence and grappling with, oh my gosh, I have cancer. I have to go through major surgery. I have to do recovery. Um, so it kept my mind occupied. Well, so now I'm off for a month. I had had the surgery. I was recovering. Um, I literally did not look at email or anything work-related for the first three weeks that I was off, which was very unusual for me. Sure. And so sitting in that silence where literally all I was doing every day was resting, recuperating, reflecting. I was doing a lot of reading. I was doing some journaling. That voice in my head that I had been successfully outrunning for, you know, for a year finally crept up and asked me that question, are you doing what you're passionate about? And I couldn't outrun that voice anymore. And the answer was no. And it's not because I didn't love the company, which I did. And it's not because I didn't think that I could make a difference in HR, which I knew that I could. It's that I was not truly passionate about that full cycle, um, you know, all of the things about HR, but I was, what I was passionate about, big dog, it sounds like. Um, what? <laughs> Sorry, he loves to make an appearance almost every time. Teddy, stop it. <laughs> hey, you know what? This is this is life in the COVID era right now. Yeah, we've got our pets. We've got our, absolutely. I should just have him like be a part of the show. Teddy, sorry. I can. You really should. <laughs> That's all right. I think he just wants to be on camera. That's yeah. no worries. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I kind of spent the rest of that recovery time saying, okay, well, if if that's the answer that I'm not really passionate doing what I'm doing and being on this executive track, what would make me happy? Right. Yeah. Because the thing with a cancer diagnosis is, and, and, and long story short, I'm cancer free now. I'm fully, you know, that's fully behind me. Um, but honestly, and people look at me sideways when I say this, it was like the best experience of my life because it woke me up to the life I was missing. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, we fool ourselves into thinking that where we are is all it's going to be. Yeah. Um, right. There's that movie. It's, you know, as good as it gets, right. We kind of get into this rut where we say this, you know, let's, let's just make the most of this. Maybe I don't deserve to have a fuller life. Right. Maybe I don't deserve to truly be happy because how many people do we know so, so really, are truly happy? So really quick, but that, yeah. that's the whole reason around my label free concept is that people get caught up in that 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 the societal expectation of okay this is just where i'm supposed to be i'm not supposed to break out i'm just gonna have to just deal with it and just accept that this this mundane or this life that really doesn't excite me absolutely and if we are not defined by our job titles and our roles at home whether it's wife or mother or this or that then oh my gosh, what are we? That great unknown is very scary, right? If I was not going to be a vice president of human resources, what was I going to be? What were people going to call me? And I think we get so put into those boxes, right? That they have to have very firm defined sides in that lid that you know kind of keeps us suppressed. Um, and so it, it, it kind of teaches you, you know, can't, I don't wish cancer on anyone, of course, no, no. but for me, it was a gift, right? Because it, it made me stop the insanity, get off the hamster wheel for, for a few weeks and really reflect on, is this all my life could be? Yeah. Um, 
And, and so, you know, I think had I not had to take time off and, you know, sit with myself in that silence, I don't know that I ever would have made that break away from, from corporate. Yeah. That's amazing how different life events can, can change your perspective on where you're at. And, you know, I have a, not a health related story, but a similar story, like I had shared with you before we started recording, when I watched my husband lose his battle with life and I had to start my life all over again. I mean, you know, I grieved him for several years, but then once I came to terms with that and I decided to forgive him because, Mm. you know, he left me. So, you know, you, you, there, you go through phases when someone passes away and it's just like, and it was my part, I was with him for almost half my life, you know, it was almost yeah. 17 years. So it was just like, I, I look at life so differently now. And it's like, it, it's really prompted me to, to be brave and talk about, you know, being a, a victim of human trafficking, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And um, yes, those type of life events can really um, shake you to your core and, and bring you to a whole new life. <laughs> Yeah, it, they, they can't, you know, and, and when you spend that much time with a significant other, and it's the reason they call it the significant other, yeah. right? Yeah. You, when, when that relationship changes, and I'm not going to say it ended for you, he did pass away, but there's, there's no way you don't still talk to him sometimes, right? Oh, or no. think about yeah. him. I mean, that, right? So that, re- that connection is still there. It has just fundamentally changed. It's not a physical connection anymore. Yeah. Um, but when you're with somebody else for that long, you, you know, the, the, the definitions, the labels you put on yourself, always take that other person into consideration. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you maintain some self-awareness and some, you know, some, some semblance of your personal identity and live authentically to that. You, that was, that was probably the most profound thing I've ever heard since I've had my podcast. I've never... I never thought about that. The labels that I put on myself because of him, that just like, I had a light bulb just go off. Wow. That was, and there's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with calling yourself his wife, right? Right. His, his life partner, his caretaker toward the end. And, and the, you know, one of the scariest things, and of course you go through that cycle, right? And it's like, and there is that anger portion of that. How dare you leave me? And what you're really saying is you, you left me alone to, to navigate life by yep. myself. And now I've got to figure out things rather than have you to lean on. Um, and it's not because we are so dependent on the other person, but we do take them into consideration. And the decisions that we make are not just going to impact us, right? Like, don't you drive differently when it's just yourself versus sure. when you have somebody else in the car? For sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the same, like, even if it's just my husband, I, I always think about that. I'm like, I, I'm like, I drive differently. I'm a little bit more cautious. I'm a little bit, you know, the radio, I don't have turned up as much. I certainly yeah. don't sing and car dance if there's somebody else in the car, unless it's somebody else you who does don't. that too, right? Like, well, it kind of depends. It kind of <laughs> depends. But, you know, but like, if it's just yourself, right, you, you drive authentically to you. And I think the way a person drives their car is very indicative of their personality, right? Are they super cautious, right? I mean, are they like all about the road rage? Do things trigger them? So I have, I have got a very heavy foot and I'm like, I got to get there as quickly as possible. I very, even even at this point in my life, I'm still like, I'm like, am I ever going to calm down? (laughs) No way. 
No, it's part of you. Absolutely. Yeah. So you said something about living your authentic life. And before we started recording, we talked about like, you know, how you go into large. So talk about the people that you, so you talk, go into large corporations, you help them with their, their executives. Let's talk about the, that a little yeah. bit, because you did say that you help them become their most authentic self to become a better leader. Yeah. And it's, it, that's absolutely the key, right? So there, there have been um, a, a bunch of studies years and years uh, started years and years ago, and they do them uh, every so often, that found that when you when you look at the greatest performing leaders, like genius level performing leaders in, in any industry, in any society, there were two traits that they have in common. Only two, self-awareness and authenticity. They are deeply self-aware of what they are strong in and what their blind spots are, right? So that's step one. Yeah. And authenticity, they embrace that and they purposely and intentionally live their lives and, and live their roles yeah. in a way that plays to those strengths and minimizes their blind spots. And when you do those two things, you can achieve genius levels of, of performance. Um, and, you know, and, and one of the thing, one of the big blind spots that I have found with leaders is this notion that, you know, to, to come back to the, this concept of, of labels and these boxes that we put ourselves in, because spoiler alert, those boxes that we put around ourselves are self-imposed, yes. right? The obstacles yes. between where we are and where we want to get to, whether we're in a corporate environment or not, are mostly put there by, by ourselves. And they start with mindset, right? They're not physical barriers, they're mental ones. And so there's so many leaders that I know that go through this, well, I could never be a charismatic leader. That's just not me. I'm very introverted or yeah. I'm not really good with communication or I don't like conflict. Um, you know, and they say, so I can't be that. Yeah. No, you, maybe you can't be that, but what you can be is fully you. Right. And that's what your people want to see. They don't want to see somebody who's a snake oil salesman. Right. They want to see somebody who truly understands what they are and what they're not right. and living their authentic life and expecting that of the people that they're leading. Yeah. It's really that simple. I totally agree with you. There you go. Label free. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it, and, and I'm, you know, I, I mean, I know that we are, when you're in a corporate environment and you're a corporate survivor as well. So you totally get this. We are defined by whatever our job title is. But the thing with being a leader is, it's not a role that you play. It's an obligation that you own, right? And so many leaders, quote unquote, um, are, are ambitious to become a leader because of the trappings that right. once I get that label of leader, I get the corner office, the, the bigger car allowance, the leather chair, you know, the, the authority to do things the way I want to do them. Why are you waiting for authority and the trappings to do things the way that you want to do them? Right. right. If if living authentically and working authentically and playing your genius zone is not tolerated where you are, then change where you are. Right. Yeah. I love that. Wow. That was very powerful. Very powerful. So when you when a company contacts you to um, come in and help with their 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 leadership, how do, what does that look like when you go in and do you do a consult first? So can you tell us a little bit about that process? Sure, sure. Um, typically, unfortunately, organizations will reach out to me after they have lost a few leaders, right? After they've lost a lot of money 
because the leaders that they put into key roles either were the wrong leader, the wrong role, the wrong time, right? Um, and so anyone who's hearing this, who is contemplating bringing in somebody to give them an outside perspective, the first bit of guidance I would give you is whether you're calling me or somebody else, make the call sooner than you think you need someone sure. because you're, you're bleeding money if you are identifying people the wrong way, if you're putting the wrong people in the wrong roles. And the biggest mistake that organizations make is they might have the right person. They might've put them into the right role at the right time, but they sort of have this, it used to be called the plug and play method yeah. of hiring where it's, you know, I'm just gonna hire the best person I can put them in the role and leave them to figure it out because they all want autonomy. That's an excuse. Plug and play actually translates into plug and pray because what <laughs> they're doing is, right? They're kind of, as, as uh, a head of talent I was speaking to last week said to me, he said, you know, we tend to just sort of throw them in with the lions and yeah. just hope they figure it out. Um, and that's not a good strategy, right? If, if, if you really want this leader to succeed, and it's not just about do they personally succeed, if they're really going to um, accelerate the performance of their teams, motivate them to contribute to the mission, and not only make money for your company, yeah. but help you build and grow and outpace your competitors and all those things, you can't just put them in, throw them in the deep end and hope they figure it out. You should be doing everything you can to make sure you've identified the right person, to put them into a role that best plays to their strengths so they sure. can lead authentically and then give them the support that they need. So one of the things that I do when I come into a, into a company is to start with their, their head of talent first okay. um, before I even sit down with the new leader to better understand um, if they've already made the decision that this is, this is our guy or gal and this is the role that they're going into, I wanna understand how they arrived at that decision. Sure. More forward thinking organizations bring me in a little bit earlier than that and they say, We've got this leadership vacancy or, you know, uh, or an anticipated opening. And we've got a general sense of who we want to put it, put in there, but we have to validate that. Sure. So ideally the first stage that I come in is that validation stage where we say, let's take a look at the role itself. Let's take yeah. a look at the team that it's going to be in charge of the personalities at play that the person or people that that leader will be accountable to right? Because managing up is sort of a, a key piece of this. For sure. And, and what's at stake, right? So in terms of um, what's the client relationship like? What's the revenue target? How much, how much money and impact to the business is a success or failure of this leadership worth, right? right. Um, and so talking about that and then saying, okay, if we know that, what are some of the key success factors for that particular leader in that role? Yeah. If they're really going to be successful, what are some of the things, you know, from a, from a personality gelling between the team below and the managers above Huge. with a client relationship, right? What are some of those genius zones that the right leader should have? Right. If we know that going in, it makes it a lot easier to then validate the right choice. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, ideally I come in earlier than they have selected that actual leader. But now let's fast forward because a lot of companies sort of sort of wait and they say, okay, okay. we've got the leader, we're going to put him in. Can you help him get started? Because we typically throw him in the deep end and right. hope they figure it out. Um, and, and by the way, that holds true for whether you hire somebody from the outside or you promote from within. Um, and I've talked to a lot of new leaders and without exception, they have said to me, we got little to no handover or guidance from HR when we were put into this leadership position. And when I asked 
ask them why they think that is, they say to me, I guess they figured because we've already been here a while and we're good performers that we've already got the culture nailed, we've got the internal networks in place, and we're just going to kind of know who to call and what to do. Yeah. And that's a huge mistake, right? There's a big missed opportunity there. Why would you just assume that, especially if you're going to promote from within right. based yeah. on their past track record, why would you set them up for potential failure? Because more than half of new leaders fail within 18 months, more than half, whether you wow. promote from within or you hire from the outside. That's a huge, I mean, that's huge. It's a huge number. It's it's really huge. And it's, you know, there, there's so many costs associated with that, right? Oh it's not God. just the, yeah. the cost to replace them. It's the impact on the team who go, here we go again, another revolving door. Now we've got a new leader. We've got to figure out and kind of train, right? Because that team is trying to train you as much as you're trying to train them, yeah. right? Um, and if there's revenue at stake, every time you lose a leader, you're clawing back money and you're, and you're bleeding money. You're bleeding revenue. You're bleeding you know, market share, you, you're bleeding a competitive edge. Um, there are so many reasons why you've got to get this right and focus the time and the energy and the resources to, to, to doing that. Wow. You just, you just dropped a whole lot on us. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, so, it's overwhelming, right? <laughs> but it's very true. So like I had told you in my, I was a vice president of key, um, key accounts and business operations and I too was being groomed to, to become president. And we went through, we, we could have totally used you. We went through a lot of different leaders and we, we definitely threw a lot of people to like, here, we threw, threw them to the wolves, figure it out. And when they didn't succeed, we're like, you know, scratching our heads, like, oh, why aren't you succeeding? And it, I, maybe we hired the wrong people. You know, we did the best that we could, or, you know, maybe it was just a dysfunctional environment where we weren't able to give them the support that they needed. So yeah. like this would have been very valuable and you're right. It does impact you across the board when you bring someone in and you've invested all the time and energy and then they're gone six to a year to 18 months later. It's, it's not good. It's not a good reflection on the company either right? because you're not keeping someone in that position. You know, it's not stability. Your customers are, are talking to this person yep. and then all of a sudden they're gone and it's, uh, and this is a leadership role. So it's like, you know, that's not good. Not a good reflection on any business. So, and it's so easy to blame the person. Sure. Right? It's so yeah. easy to say when that leader fails and leaves the company, whether they were an external hire or an internal promotion, and to say, well, that leader just, you know, just, just failed. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, that's true, right? In some cases, you can do Absolutely. everything right, and that leader still doesn't take the keys that you hand them and drive the car the right way, right? Um, but way more often than not, it's not the person, it's the process. It's what you did to validate, was that the right person for that right role, right? And not all roles are the same. So you could have a, a, a total rock star for your company, but you put them in the wrong role, of course they're going to fail, or of course they're going to, at the very least, underperform, Sure. right? So it's more often than not, it's the process by which we are validating what are the key success attributes of that particular role? Yeah. Does the leader we have in mind, or at least the short list of candidates, do they possess some or, or all of those attributes? Yeah. And now, you know, we can make a more educated choice, but don't stop there because some companies have that part nailed down, right? They've, right. they use assessments, they get, which I highly recommend. I mean, assessments are really, really valuable, but you can't just use those at the front end 
and plug them in and then still resort to plug and pray, right? right? You've got to put them in, but you've got to support them. Even if this is not their first leadership role ever, I've seen, you know, leaders that have had several leadership roles. At some point, you're going to put them into a position based on their past track record. That's a little bit out of their depth. Yeah. It's either, you know, a, 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 a bigger client, a more complex operation, a more complex team. Maybe there's a unionized workforce that they've never been exposed to before, whatever it is. At some point, if you're doing it right and you're growing people from within, you're going to put them in a position that stretches them. That's the whole point. Sure. Of course. But if you do that and tell yourself, well, they're, you know, they're a superstar, they're, they're going to figure it out. They're, they're, <laughs> they're so smart. They've got yep. the internal networks. They know who to call. They know how to ask questions. And then they still fail. And then we go, well, obviously they, you know, they, they've peaked, they're past their prime and they burnt out. No, they don't, people don't burn out on their own. They burn out because they're put into a system that is set up to, you know, throw up obstacles unnecessarily. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. Holy crap. (laughs) So mind blown. (laughs) No, you are, you are a wealth of knowledge and I'm just like, you could have been so valuable to me back when I was in that leadership role. I mean, that would have been so helpful and we probably would have had more success with some of the people that we brought or bringing in the right people. Cause I think maybe we made the wrong decisions bringing in, you know, certain candidates, but sure, wow. Sure. And it happens. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So where can, if someone's interested, any, any of our audience out there that is looking for someone like you, where can they find you to connect with you? Uh, two best ways to reach out to me are my website, which is clairechandler.net, or you can find me on LinkedIn and send me a message, say hello, and uh, I'd be happy to talk with you and see how I can help. Awesome. With that being said, I'm going to start wrapping things up here, Claire. I'm going to put all your links in the body, the description of the episode. And, you know, I would love to have you back. You know, we'll find out where things are after COVID passes and how maybe that's changed the dynamics of your business. And if you start traveling again and all that good stuff. But um, thanks again for joining me. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And I'll be back very soon with more dynamic guests.